0: But my 20s was me taking an hour a week to kind of open up that door that I was terrified to open. But it's, it's proved to be really healing and helpful.
1: Hey, everybody. Rarely do you get a chance to sit down and talk with somebody who is willing to talk about anything and everything. Well, today I got the honor of talking to a woman who was willing to share her triumphs and her struggles, all of those things dark places that she's been, and some of the great victories that she's had. You're going to be blown away by how open and how transparent my guest is on this episode of Unbeatable. I am so excited to introduce you to Shannon LaBrie. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff stroker I don't have a plan to go there, but maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Don't know. Okay. Um, and you grew up on a farm?
0: I did. I grew up on ten acres, so my dad wasn't a farmer. Yeah, but I grew up in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of farms in in
1: Nebraska, right? Yes. Uh, I grew up all over the Midwest. Uh, My family comes from just comes from next door, um, from Iowa. So I know all about life on a farm.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm a country girl, and and my soul for sure. (laughs) Like. That's a big part of my life. So
1: you're living in Nashville, right?
0: Yes. But are you, yeah, missing, I live in,
1: are are you missing I, I Nebraska? Gonna, Come on. You gotta be missing, yeah. missing it. Right.
0: I was going to say I've, I've been in Nashville for a long time, like 12 years now, but, and I live in the city and it, it is funny, but it's just like, man, if I can get in the car and go drive in a wide open space, like that, I actually almost have to do that every, and that's the weird thing about 2020, like touring is yeah. kind of my sanity. Yeah. Cause you're, you're out in america and you're seeing the country and you're seeing people and so even in 2020 i would just go get my car and i would just go drive because i just i would i just need the need the space yeah
1: you could get on so. a bus and you could do some of those back roads and spend an hour on the back roads getting out of traffic yes. and out of the craziness
0: yes exactly man i
1: totally yeah. hear where you're coming from i still feel that way and i've been away from the midwest for a long long time
0: where are you located now i, think I live I think in I georgia saw that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, but by the way, when you were growing up, like I said, I was just next door to you and uh, I was surrounded by farm country everywhere where I lived. Everybody around me was on a farm. If you didn't have a farm, you didn't have a future where I grew up.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a, that's, that's Nebraska. That's the Midwest. Of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about some of the awesome things about growing up on a farm? I mean, I, I didn't actually grow up on a farm, but I grew up around a lot of farmers, got a chance to love farming yeah. and the whole farming community. It was awesome.
0: Yes. I would I would love to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Um, tell me some of the things that you really enjoyed about growing up out there away from the city and able to have lots of land around you and some cornfields. And...
0: Yeah. Well, there, so there's some. So the thing that, well, I love space. The space is what I love the most. There's nothing, and I am a storm lover. Like, if I had another life, I might be a storm chaser. <laughs> but I, there's nothing like a Midwest Oh, yeah, because and, you can see and it coming in like, here. It's so flat it, yeah. and boring. Oh, yeah. You can see it, it coming. Here it is. Coming. It's
1: coming. I can almost tell you to my watch when it's going to get here. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. So that's one of my one of my favorite things about growing up on a farm is watching the storms come in. And the wide open space, like the long gravel roads, and then you know my my dad had a tractor, and I mean when it's funny, I went to an estate sale recently, a few months ago, and it had one of those old, and I don't even know what it's called, but it was an old orange tractor that my dad had, and I got up close to it, and it was just the smell. Yeah,
1: it was bringing back all kinds of memories, right?
0: Oh my gosh, it was it was powerful. And so. you
1: were trying to think, how can I buy this tractor and put it in my garage in Nashville <laughs> and not yeah, look like exactly. a total weirdo?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I always look like a weirdo, but um, no, I, I love, uh, I love those small tractors. That's, that's going to be my perfume line. Yeah. It's going to hey, be, tractors. everybody
1: go out and buy Shannon's um, Musk of John Deere or International <laughs> Harvesters, you that's know, right. scent of the month. Hey, I got a little segment that I do on this show and I was thinking about you when I was getting ready to do this episode, Shannon, I was, uh, I got this segment that I call my high five. It's my way of kind of doing like a virtual high five with you. But, um, I loved farm communities. Like I said, I didn't grow up Mm -hmm. on a farm, but I grew up around farmers and I really, really learned to love farmers Um, who they are, what they stand for. I think most people just take for granted that in the grocery store, there's produce and there's meat. You don't realize the hard work that went into it. So I was going to tell you my top five favorite things about farming community, about farmers and about people that grow up in that kind of that part of the, uh, you know, the country And Here's number one on my list. You don't have office hours, right? You don't have to get up and punch a time clock, but if you're not up before the sun goes up, (laughs) you're in trouble. You're going to be a broke farmer if you're not up when the sun goes up, but you don't have to punch a time clock, which is beautiful. Um, Number two on my list is that no one notices when you didn't take a shower because you don't smell nearly as bad as the animals on the farm. So if you didn't shower for like a week, totally, no one would totally notice whereas if you go to work in an office and you don't shower for a week I'm pretty sure your co- the guys in the cubicle next to you are going to notice that, right?
0: Oh my gosh. That's fantastic.
1: Um hey, you live in in the Nashville in, you know, the part of the country where everybody's wearing a, a, a hat and boots, but the good part about being on a farm is you get a chance to wear boots to work every day. Um and not <laughs> everybody gets a chance to pull that one off, right? Yeah. But I was thinking the same thing, like, Hey, farming life is actually a pretty, uh, you know, healthy, normal, grounded way of living, but there is a little bit of like social class in farming society and it is, you're judged on the color of your tractor. (laughs) So if your tractor isn't green and yellow, all of a sudden you're kind of like a second class citizen in farming community. And for those.
0: That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. And I will say, my, um, my friend up in Michigan, though, I feel like it's a different way. Like, in Nebraska, like, all of my brothers had a little green John Deere tractor. Of course, John Deere. As, you know, like, that was your gift. of One of the Christmases, you're getting a little John Deere tractor. But I've noticed up in Michigan, it's the red, the red yeah, tractors. Yeah. International that's, Harvester, that's like right? It. Yeah, there you go. I, uh,
1: you'll love this. Uh, I bought my wife a John Deere weed eater uh, years ago on um, our anniversary. And I told her, listen, where we come from, if it says John Deere on it, it automatically means I love you. It doesn't matter if it's a weed eater or if it's a tractor or it's a t-shirt. If it says John Deere, it means I love you. That's how farmers tell their wife, I love you by buying something with John Deere on it. Yeah. The last, without a doubt, the best part about being on a farm or at least living in a farm community is the farm tan, right? Like when they all take their shirt off and they're jumping in the lake or in the river and every single guy and gal out there has the ridiculously tan arms from the middle of their, their arms down and everything else is white as a sheet.
0: But, you know, that's just a sign of really, really hard work ethic. That's what I think. Yeah. That's like, man, you you work really hard. We did, there's this thing called detasseling. Do you know what detasseling is? Oh, I know is? all about I detasseled corns from, yeah. I was, from
1: 13, 14 years old. Know all about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are, and I, I work with um, these young girls in Nashville in a mentoring program, and some of the girls are foster girls. And one of the things that I am, like, talking with them that I realized like in the Midwest, in the Midwest that I was really privileged to have was was work ethic. It's growing up growing up, whether you're a farmer or growing up around farms. And you know, we had an, a garden, you know, the size of our house and we actually lived off of a garden that we had like we lived off of our little
1: nice plot of land. We lived off the land. But
0: we lived off the land. And um but I was thinking that that just with so many kids, they, they don't have that chance to to grow up with that like work ethic ingrained in them. And so it's been interesting to talk with them about just just working and like for some of these girls that grew up in town, you know, the thought of having a garden and picking your food is just like mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, So it's anyway, it's been neat to kind of pass along some of the some of the things that I learned out 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 there.
1: Dylan's in the studio. Dylan, have you ever heard of detasseling corn?
0: Never in my life, all which right. is crazy because my, uh, my dad grew up on a farm. So like I feel like I should know this.
1: Shannon, you gotta. T- this is some of the hardest labor imaginable. And they get oh, teenage yeah. kids to do it that can't you know, get a real <laughs> job because no adult would ever, ever consider detasseling corn. But you got to describe for Dylan just for a second what life was like when you were pulling the tassel off of the top of a corn stalk down rows that, lo- that go on for miles. Yeah. T- t- tell them how well, miserable just- it is.
0: It's hot. The hours are, and when I say hot, I mean it's like in the middle of a cornfield, no shade in sight, sun beating down, so hot. And you're in these huge cornfields, and the corn, the corn is, you know, twice, twelve, if not feet tall, three times your height. Yeah, I mean tall. they're so tall. And um, and then they actually have these machines that you can get on top, and you can ride down the rows, and then you just pull off those little, there are these little springy things on top of the corn, and you detassel them, and you take them off. And you do it all day. And when I think back to it, I think of my friends in high school. It's like, we did it. Like, how old was I? Nine, 12? Oh we did gosh. it for money. That's it was like, but but it's like, why did I need that money so bad <laughs> that I was willing to go out for two weeks, you know, 15 hours a day and like, that's go into a, right. cornfield. Yeah, you
1: get out there and you get started <laughs> yeah. before the sun is really over the horizon and you yeah. keep like, going. I can't even into- drive. Until you drop yeah. from exhaustion or until you finish an entire uh, yeah. cornfield. Not even for gas money. Oh, it's insane how.
0: No, it's. Yeah. How also, where did that money is? go? <laughs> Maybe I should go out and tell these kids, like, open a savings account and put this in a savings account. And
1: the slave laborers um, that run the crews, the, the detaching crews, are paying you like $1.50 or $2 an hour. So.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's. Yeah. It's a whole but month. It's good. Worth it's, of, yeah. it's, it's good for our soul. That's right.
1: It's hard work ethic. You grew up with a bunch of brothers around you. Do you have a, you had three brothers?
0: Yeah, I have a sister and three Uh brothers. Um, I have a little brother, Max, my brother, Zach, my sister, Brooke. And then I have a stepbrother named Josh who I actually, I grew up with him, um, all through my childhood. So he's just part of the fam. Um, and yeah, and it was good. I, I know like I always think my brothers were not your typical, like pick on you brothers. But I had this memory the other day, like just talking to you about this. Of course, all these memories are coming up. Um, but my brother had a little go kart, and f- as a game, and we loved it. He would chase us around the fields in the go kart <laughs> and try to try to run you feet. over. Yeah, yeah. But like we loved it, and that I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's like totally that sibling relationship. Yeah.
1: Whereas if somebody <laughs> took a YouTube video of that today, your brother would end up oh. being you know prosecuted for it, but. That's Probably, big fun on the but, land. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But no, we, we love this. It. Like, yeah, Chase around and try to run over our feet with your, with your machine. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh.
1: You got some musical abilities and it sounds like they came, you, you inherited them from your mom and dad.
0: Yes. So can you absolutely. tell us a little
1: bit about your mom's voice and your dad's skills on the guitar?
0: Yes. Um, so my mom has a beautiful voice and she has a very large range. She does not like to sing in public ever, but, um, my dad was a songwriter and just in our, in our home and in our church community, he would write songs for the church and do like the special music on Sunday nights service, but he, he was a great guitar player. He learned how to play by listening to James Taylor records. So he's self-taught. And I know once I moved to Nashville and really started to pursue music as a full-time career, I was like, oh, James Taylor. You know, James Taylor songs are so easy. I should play them though because they just remind me so much of my dad. And I tried to learn a James Taylor song. And let me tell you, that man is is a talent. Uh-huh. That man knows how to play guitar and listening. It's brilliant how he makes his song sound so easy. But my point is James Taylor songs are hard and I learned that, <laughs> which just makes me appreciate my dad having learned self-taught yeah, by listening to his yeah. records, but he was a beautiful player and my mom would sing his songs and my siblings and I would, you know, sit around the table and sing four part harmony on his songs. Um, so th- I definitely grew up in that kind of, <laughs> that family, which I feel like is you see in TV shows sometimes, but yeah, um, but, yeah. but he, he's who taught me, you know, what a verse and a chorus was. And I learned piano as my first instrument And I'm also self-taught by ear, but my dad taught me a few chords and he ended up getting sick with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and passed away when I was 13. And when he got sick, man, music just became my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. to going through that. And then when he passed away, it was just music forever.
1: (laughs) I just got the mental image of you and your siblings sitting around singing fire and ice and, uh, you know, your dad is jamming, uh, uh oh yeah yeah
0: i am i have an amazing picture that my siblings i think maybe sent me last christmas but it is it's from there was this little cubby hole up in the roof of our house and it's a picture and my dad is in his sweats with his guitar and us kids are sitting on the counter tops oh
1: that's singing awesome. with him
0: it's yeah it, yeah it's a good memory
1: um so your father got diagnosed uh, with ALS, is that right?
0: Um, he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh-huh. he had cancer. Okay. Um, I do have some experience with ALS in another time of my life. But yeah, he had cancer and we grew up on that acreage in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And then when we just needed to be close to the doctors. So we ended up moving into Lincoln, Nebraska to be closer. And, you know, he fought really hard and and for he fought and he actually fought a lot longer than I think people thought he would. So
1: how long between the time that you, that he found out that he had lymphoma and he passed, how much time did you guys as a family have?
0: It was almost five years. Uh So yeah. And he, um, yeah, he died February 3rd and he, I will never forget that it's such a dreaded conversation. And I know friends who have had to do this, you know, with their kids now. Yeah. Um, or older with grandparents, but it, I just will never forget that conversation, which was all right. Like, this is, this is it. And he would say, I'm, I'm going to be headed to heaven in in about a month or two. And it was just such really? a wild, that's
1: the way he would describe yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we had that conversation, which was obviously very, very hard and very emotional. Um, and I don't think it was, it was probably four weeks later um, that he ended up passing away.
1: Yeah. So I was just thinking as a eight, nine year old girl, when you learn that he has cancer, maybe it doesn't really sink in, but by the time you start seeing what cancer is doing to him, Mm -hmm. it's got to leave a pretty big impact on you. So how did you, how did you deal with those last few years of watching your dad, probably your hero start to wither away?
0: Yeah. Um, definitely our, all of our heroes, I think, What's interesting is all of my siblings and I, we all grieved through that in a very different way. Um, I became really numb and I, I'm one of those, have you seen the Joker?
1: <laughs> yes. The movie? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I weird. was going to say you became but, the Joker. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah.
0: No, I, you know how he has a, and if anybody hasn't seen the movie, he has a laughing problem and he laughs in really awkward moments and he has a laminated card that he has to give people to tell them, Hey, I'm laughing. And I know that's weird, but I have a disorder and that's kind of my, that's how I've dealt with a lot of pain in my life is I just laugh about it or I'll joke about it. Uh And so I would go to school and, and just kinda, I would just kind of laugh about it. And, and I just got really numb. And I'm saying that to anybody who might relate. And I know people do, um, probably not till my, probably till I was 21, 22, did I really start to grieve his loss. Yeah. And it, I attribute that to a great therapist that I, that I have and still go to see. Um, but I, I don't know. I think some pain is just really hard to face and it's easier to smile and laugh about it than it is to actually feel how tragic it is. So I don't think I really grieved any of that until I was a lot older. And I, and I'm still obviously grief is a, a journey, um, and it, I will say time does things get easier, Yeah. but I would say my early twenties was when that really hit me the hardest was that was, it was everything I experienced. And I, there's a song on my last record called war and peace, um, which I call my therapy record. It is a very sad album. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a song on there called heaven Crash down and I wrote it. It's about my dad dying and I wrote it after a therapy session I had, and I just went home and I, it just kind of spilled out of me. And it, it was such a weird out-of-body experience because I remember looking at the lyrics on the paper and realizing as I was writing it, like, oh, I'm writing the first song I've ever written about my dad passing away. And so that that's kind of, anyway, my journey on, on process. Yeah, you thoughts. really
1: didn't even notice that that's what you were doing until the word started to come out?
0: There's a few, and I songwriters, I know several songwriters that this happens to them sometimes. But Most of the time, I show up to write a song at 10 a.m., you know, on Tuesday. Uh And it's a very, um, work ethic based job. Um, but a lot of songs every once in a while, I'll write by myself in the evening and, and they might feel a lot more emotional than normal. Uh And, um, and yeah, having crashed down was one of those. I have another song called alcohol that I literally just wrote it and, you know, went to bed and the next day was like, Oh, I, you know, I didn't Because songs just kind of spill out of you and lyrics spill out of you. And Stephen King wrote this book called On Writing, one of my favorite descriptions of being a creative. He said, you have to wake up in the morning or at night, depending on what kind of person you are. (laughs) And you have to be there, though. You have to show up to receive whatever is going to come uh, from the universe or from God or um, however you believe it comes. And I think sometimes I'm there and I think it just plops down and you just grab it and you don't have time to think too much about it and then of course there's an editing process you know weeks later that you might go in and fix some things but I I think the initial um the initial burst of artistry is something that you just have to like fall into it when you feel it
1: yeah I love the fact that you're not hesitant to talk about needing some help working through losing your dad and still seeing a therapist about it um oh yeah I hope that people that are out there listening right now that are grieving and struggling or you describe grief as a process, let's say that you're grieving Mm -hmm. and you're stuck and you're not really making progress through this process of grief. Um, Shannon, I love the fact that you're courageous enough to say, hey, I got stuck and I need a little bit of help and I'm still getting help. So maybe
0: maybe that'll be a good
1: word for somebody else out there that's struggling.
0: Absolutely. And, and I, I will take a moment to share this, but I, I grew up with a mentality of, um, you know, you don't need counseling, you don't need therapy, you know, just go, go to your job and like, get kind of get over it and get
1: over it. Right. Um, just get get over over it, it.
0: which is, yeah. And, and there's a, there's a survival mechanism in that mentality that I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But like I said, everybody goes to their point and then they have a breaking point. And mine was in my early twenties. And then, um, through a series of, several other losses I would say the last decade of my life has been the most eye-opening and heart-opening for me and because I'm kind of a runner I I like to run away from or work through the problem you know like if if I feel sad like my go-to is I'm going to work out three times today (laughs) you know like I'm just I'm 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 just going to be so exhausted
1: that I can't think about it. yeah
0: well exactly and I think I think that a lot of people are like that, whether they know it or not, you know, we work ourselves to, you know, the bone and go to sleep when you wake up and you do it again. But my twenties was me, um, taking an hour a week to kind of open up that door that I was terrified to open and slowly and surely it's opened up and there's been a lot of healing and taking that time and it's scary. And I will, I will say that probably the first 10 sessions, therapy sessions I had I maybe missed a couple. I was late to them, and I think subconsciously I just didn't. Yeah, it's it's hard it work to painful, face right? the pain. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's proved to be really healing and helpful, and um, I've really enjoyed. I've, I guess I would say I'm really thankful for my friends that have pulled me into that healing process, Yeah. and I also feel very honored to have friends that are in the midst of that right now, and just tell them the. Like keep going, like keep working through it. And also, I I just think we all need to have patience with one another because we're all in different stages of grief. Whether it's the loss of somebody we love or the loss of uh, a year of life in (laughs) twenty twenty, which I have, you know, I've yeah. And especially in the artist community, and I mean, I know this is across the world, everyone is grieving a lot of things in twenty twenty. But in my community, which is a lot of artists, um, it's kind of hitting everybody now that. Oh, we missed an entire year of work of this forward-moving progression in our careers. Mm-hmm. And now we have we're trying to get back into it. And it's been, you know, it's been difficult.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, for our friends that are listening, I hope you're hearing from Shannon. It is not easy to open that door and to start to deal with some pain. But if you're stuck and struggling, go get help. Um, because mm-hmm. I like you grew up Shannon here and you know, if you go, if you need some mental health, help then you're weak or there's something wrong with you. And what I hope people are hearing right now is no, no, no. It actually takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to open that door and start to deal with some things, but there's a lot of good on the other side of it. If you'll do the hard work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's the biggest, yeah. Keeping the door shut and not dealing with it isn't good. And I've, I mean, I was having, and I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just going to open up here. On this All right, come on, open up. But I, I, yeah, but I really was, I, um, I was really struggling with, I kind of having these emotional breakdowns. I just about every couple of weeks I would, I would just, I would be exhausted and I would just kind of have these, these like emotional breakdowns and I wasn't understanding why I was having them. And, and I just mean, you know, the, the gross, the gross snot coming out <laughs> snot of your nose crying. crying. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah and it's like and and i'm also a deeply optimistic person i i'm uh it's annoying actually to people <laughs> in my life it's like can you just can there's you no just dial it back
1: for, a little yeah. bit
0: yeah and i think that facing your grief is a big part of that is letting the optimist and the fighter in you be quiet and just sit in the fact that you know what yeah i did watch my dad die when i was a kid and there's a lot of painful memories in yeah. that and um, and it's okay to feel really hurt and sad about that. And that's normal. And I guess it's that's the thing is, why are you crying? Because you miss your dad and he died. And that's okay. So I think part of it is just normalizing the fact that that pain is very normal. And it's, it's not out of, why was I having an emotional breakdown? I, I look back on that and think how bad I felt for having those. In reality, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> And, and the more you work through it, the more you're able to, um, obviously I'm not having those anymore. And I think the reason is because I was able to, to face, face that with with a great therapist that gave me room and time to, to work through those memories.
1: Yeah. We titled this podcast unbeatable just because people will get knocked down. Life itself will just hit you hard. And yeah. sometimes people get knocked down so hard that they don't know how to get back up. In your case, Absolutely. watching your father slowly pass away is just a series of brutal you know, steps. And yeah. I hope people are learning from you right now, Shannon, that, that you go in to see somebody and them just helping you realize, look, any 13-year-old yeah. girl who sees her father die mm-hmm. is going to hurt and it's okay to hurt and giving yourself permission to hurt.
0: Yeah. I love, um, I also want you to know, I love, I listen to podcasts. I just drink them. I listen to them all. And I was listening to one, there was a podcast called heavyweight and I it occurred to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, I've listened to every single one of these episodes. Um, and now I'm going to have to find a new podcast to go all the way through, but I, I do love your show. And one of the things that I found the most comfort in through my grief has been listening <laughs> to podcasts and listening to people's stories um, and listening and just making me know that, you know, I'm, I'm not alone in this, yeah. but there's actually a lot of women that have lost their dad at the age of 13. Yeah, <laughs> And, and this is how they grieve through it. And this is, and also hearing for me um, I know we had talked a little bit earlier about this and in my early twenties, I also a big part of my grief journey. I was in a relationship for 10 years and in the middle of my twenties, we ended up losing a child. I was six months pregnant with our baby boy and he ended up passing away. And it was that, that is kind of a pinnacle moment. It is the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. And it was the pinnacle moment of my breakdown of, of experiencing death and loss and finally being forced to look at it. Um, And I'm sharing that with you and your listeners, because for me, there's, And I think this is just true in life, that grief is becoming more acceptable, but it is something that I think people look at as weak. And when we feel weak, we want to hide away and we want to, we want to shade ourselves and we don't want anyone to know that we're weak. And my friend Leah told me this quote recently. She said, when we are grieving, our wounds are open. And they're not scars yet. They're, they're still very tender and yeah. the nerves are there. Yeah. And if people get in there, you know, they can get infected right. and they can get worse. And so there's this healing process. And then when things start to scar and you start to heal, you're able to talk about it more. And that's where I'm at in my life right now. But man, it was women and specifically women sharing their stories of child loss or sharing their stories uh-huh. of losing their fathers. It was hearing those stories that I'm serious gave me the strength to in those mornings when I truly didn't know how I was going to get through the next 10 minutes. It was those women sharing their stories that made me feel like I had the will to, (laughs) to take a step. I, I remember, I mean, grief is a wild thing. I remember having a conversation with my mom. I was in the car, sitting outside my house and just, you know, my, life had crumbled, you know, in my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, and I told my mom, I, I know my front door is right there and I need to go inside and make dinner. But I like for the life of me, (laughs) it is the most strength and the most effort I've ever had to put into getting my feet out of the car and walking to my front door and going inside. And And I just, I just felt frozen and My mom's famous saying for all those kids is just take one step. Just take the next step. She's like, Shannon, put your hand on the door handle and open the door. Like sometimes you have to break it down like that just to get through the day. And anyway, I'm just really thankful for women's stories. And if there's a woman that relates to that, I just want you to know you are not alone.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is just because of the privilege of hearing people's stories like yours, Shannon. Um, and I believe that other people, when they hear your stories, they'll say, well, if Shannon can do this, then maybe I can do it. Maybe I can yeah. just put my hand on the door handle and open the car door and take the first step out of the car. And yeah. I'm going to need some help taking the second and the third step. but I, But Shannon gave me the strength I needed to take the first step. <laughs> In fact, I pay money just so that you guys are listening, know this. I pay money to tell story, to hear stories like this because they're <laughs> that important.
0: I love that. Um, I mean, that, stories are stories. They're so powerful. Yeah. And I, I do want to say this, that if there is anybody listening, that's in a moment like that in their life, I please reach out to me. I know I'm on all the social medias, but there's some books that have really helped me through that. Um, and a couple of reading materials that. Tell everybody a couple movie. of those
1: books that have helped you. Just go ahead and tell I, them. because some people are, everybody's wondering right now, like, okay, what's she talking okay. about?
0: So, um, well, one of my favorite books is called uh, Grief Observed by a writer named C.S. Lewis. That is, um, he was a famous theologian, Christian writer, but he talks about pain and grief in a very, very honest way. After losing in a way his that wife. I, yeah. yeah. I'm a yeah, C.S. So Lewis groupie, needed.
1: by the way. If that guy was still alive, like I'd be the number one fan (laughs) in his fan club.
0: I know. He would have a lot of stalkers, I think. Um, Another great book is called The Sacred Lament. And it's about um, grieving. It's by a a songwriter that my dad loved, actually, named Michael Card. Um, But there's two books. And I might post about them um, today or tomorrow just because we're talking about this right now. Um, But the hospital, when we left, gives you reading material because they know. Um, the journey ahead yeah. will be hard yeah. when you leave the hospital without your child. And the books, I I remember just being like enraged that they gave them to me because it's <laughs> How you know, dare it's, you it's, it's, give me
1: these books? Yeah,
0: but man, on a, on some dark nights, I read them, and I'll I'll get the titles for them. Um, but I, they're just stories. They're just people who have been through it with stories. And in that book, there were people with way worse stories than mine, and it was those stories that's like, man if this guy can get up in the morning yeah. and live his life, then I, then absolutely. Then I can too.
1: That's the whole so, um, storyline behind this podcast. Every episode of this yes. podcast, you're describing it right now. Perfect. Yeah.
0: And another, another great book, which I is very dark, <laughs> but again, I, I'm, I'm a huge, again, like I said, an optimist um, gratitude journal has uh-huh. saved my life on more than one occasion, just writing down the things I'm thankful for. But um, Ellie Wiesel, who's a famous survivor mm-hmm. of the Holocaust has a book called night and it's a very short, very thin book. And he, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant writer, but he wrestles with his belief in God. He wrestles with the meaning of life. Yeah. Um, he wrestles with the horrendous experiences that he survived. And man, I've read that book probably three years in a row there for a minute because it, the reminder of survivors all around me that had been through so much yeah, worse. Yeah. Um, and I kind of dig in, I dig my heels into that sometimes when I need to just be reminded that um, there's a lot of people around me that that are, are going through a rougher time.
1: Well, we'll try to put in the notes to this show um, Shannon's top three reading list for people that are really struggling right now because this is yeah. great advice. Now, you, you also... Oh, take a little bit of your grief and a little bit of your experiences, not just your pain, but also your joys. And you put it into writing. You've already mentioned that you, you put it into a song. So, um, I got to just tell you, I am so impressed that you have the courage to write songs that are just not just honest. Um, (laughs) like the song it's political i i'm so <laughs> impressed that you would write a song about <laughs> politics as a woman who is really not very much a fan of politics
0: um so tell everybody yeah. about it.
1: it's a, it's political
0: you surprised me with that that's a um, i come on
1: i did my research now
0: yeah you did wow yeah so i wrote that song with my friend kenny childers who is also um if i can share this part of the story and i know he would be okay with that he was the first. So once, um, after my, my ex and I had, um, lost our baby probably a year and a half of that after was just, um, just brutal, very lonely. My attorney at the time set me up with a co-writer named Kenny and we were in a co-write and he has a tattoo on his wrist and it says Roxy and it looks like a kid had drawn it. I was like, Oh, who's Roxy? He said, Oh, this is my, my daughter was a stillborn birth and, uh, my oldest son wrote her name. And so I got it tattooed on my wrist and he I'm telling you, this is what your podcast does for people is he opened up that door of his own pain to me. And when he did, I was like, Oh my gosh, my boyfriend at the time. And I just went through this horrible loss and I haven't been able to really talk to anybody about it because I don't know anybody that's been through it. And so Kenny and his wife and we became Really good friends oh, over the year, beautiful. and I wrote a lot of songs with him, a lot of therapy songs with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just goes to show, like he's one of those people in my life that just really gave me the license to to grieve and to not feel like I was crazy, but to feel like, oh no, this this just sucks. This yeah. is awful. Yeah. Um, and I'll and I'll sit here and tell you it's awful with you, and we'll write songs about it. So he's kind of one of those um, lights in the distance that yeah. I followed through some dark years. But he and I wrote it's political. And this was, I mean, he and I have probably written a hundred songs together, but it's political was one of them. And I just remember getting, and this is years, this has been, that came out in 2016. So, <laughs> and in 2016, I felt fatigued by the media and by social yeah. media yeah. and just the whole fighting. And now we're in 2021 and it's and like it's not song. letting up. It just, it, yeah, it, it's it not continues. letting up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard her song It's Political, you got to go listen to it just because of how real, how honest she is. And by the way, your ability to find songs that rhyme with Political is pretty amazing.
0: Oh. <laughs> Man, I I don't know if I've ever noticed that, but that's great.
1: <laughs> um talk about the video All By Myself. You mentioned a little bit about mm-hmm. kind of where that came from, the, you know, the 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 story behind the music.
0: Yeah, um did you say it All By Myself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, oh my gosh, that's one of the greatest songs of all time. Eric Carman wrote that song. Um, and his version of it, I know that song because Celine Dion, mm-hmm. uh, did the song, but his version of it I fell in love with. And then my publisher just said, Hey Shannon, are there any songs? You know, the studio's open this week. Do you have any songs that you'd want to cover and just take a stab at? I was like, Oh yes, I do. Um, so, so you grabbed it was your funny guitar that, and
1: said, let's go do this, right?
0: Yeah. But that song is so it's devastatingly powerful. sad. Yeah. And I was one of my favorite songs as a kid, <laughs> <laughs> which is just the power of music and, uh, and a good melody, I guess. But um, yeah, I covered it. And then I will not forget this day I was with my friend Liam Becca and I get a tweet in my message box, which I rarely, am a big Instagrammer, I'm not on Twitter a lot, but it was Eric Carmen. And he just messaged me like, he was like hey i just look, wanted to know It's the greatest of version day. of my yeah. song it's the greatest yeah. day of my life oh yeah i was just giggling like a little schoolgirl with my friends and we're drinking wine and i mean i was just squealing it's like i cannot believe that eric Carmen just messaged me um so yeah i'm a, i love that song and honored to sing it yeah. and eric great great job on the song
1: yeah absolutely you yeah. you've you you uh wrote the song and performed Raining Hallelujah. And man, I am so impressed um with you know the story behind the song, but also how well you, you know, put this song together. Um so for those people that don't know it, tell a little, tell us a little bit about the, you know, the song and you know, and yeah really how it's taken off.
0: Yes. Um so Raining Hallelujah is the single off my record building. Um I wrote that song. So a big part of my journey, especially the last couple of years has been a woman named Tia Sillars and Tia and I wrote through my, we met through my publisher, Tia. I now it's the second year she's been nominated for the songwriter hall of fame. Wow. Um, she wrote the song, which is another one of my favorites and many of yours, I'm sure, but she wrote, I hope you dance. Mm-hmm. Leanne Wilmack, huge, beautiful song. Great message. Love that song so much. Um, and my publisher introduced us to write and at the time i was coming out of my relationship my 10-year relationship and she had just lost her husband of 17 years wow. to brain cancer and my publisher wanted us to meet because she said i'm telling you guys you are you need connect. her she
1: needs you right yes
0: yeah she's like you guys are going to connect like not on a person not just a personal level but on a musical level you guys are going to connect and I remember Tia telling me later, this is, you know, a couple of years ago now, but later she says, man, I just really didn't, you know, cause when you're in grief and when you're struggling, you don't want to meet somebody yeah, new, you like you don't have time like for that. that? Sure. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thankful that she did come to the co-write and she walked in the room and, and you know, I, I had had a bad morning. She walks in the room and goes, you know, I had a really crappy morning. I went on a hike. It started to rain. I got really pissed. And then I looked up in the sky and she said there was a sliver of sunlight that came through the dark clouds. And she looked at me and she goes, You know, Shannon? It was just this little moment where it was almost like it was raining Halloween. On me. And I said, Oh, <laughs> let that me give you a piece today. of paper. Yeah. yeah, hold
1: on. Don't yeah. don't say anything else. Let me write
0: that down. <laughs> and, the, and that's the first song that we we wrote together. And I, I'm I'm a big uh, sentimental person too. So no I love one that could tell that from this
1: interview, by the way. Nobody could could possibly <laughs> tell that.
0: It was, um, and she's just, I mean, her breadth of work and she's a phenomenal writer and lyricist. So putting that song together was largely in part because I wrote it with Tia, but we both just bonded. We bonded in our grief and we, I I think in in that moment, we wrote not only what we were going through in the moment, but we were writing what we wanted to be true. And so that first verse in that song is very dark. And I mean, sadness is the weight of stones. That is very much where we were. Um, and the second verse is, you know, love is a lightning strike. It's a death, to fire, um, joy is a crashing wave. And so I think that song kind of carried us through the next two years and I'm very much in the hallelujah phase of that song, uh, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah.
1: And we're glad that you're in the hallelujah phase, um, there are people that are still struggling right now. Many of them are struggling with um, grief and it's maybe the death of a dream COVID or oh yeah, the economy or a whole lot of other factors have just killed something, a dream inside of them. Um, mm-hmm. And they're wondering, how do I bounce back? And one of the things that I think is so powerful about your song, Rain and Hallelujah, is you just help people see that it is possible mm-hmm. to bounce back. But yeah. I think I'd like people to hear from you who are struggling. Like, I don't know, man, I really feel like this is it. There's no coming back from this one because I had all of my stock and all of my hopes in this dream or this relationship or this business. And it all just crumbled in my fingers and there's nothing left. And they're wondering, yeah. how how do I bounce back? You are a woman who has gone through loss after loss after loss, Shannon, and you bounce back. How, did, how do you do that?
0: Well, I...
1: Nice easy questions oh, on this man, podcast, just, by the way. Man, I'm just throwing you softballs.
0: <laughs> oh no, these are these are amazing questions. Um yeah, I would say I and I, I have recently we talked a little bit before we started about um, in releasing like I was talking about the we have our wounds and when they're open and raw, you don't you're not ready to yeah. to maybe talk about it. And I'm I'm very much in a place where I, I feel like I can talk about it because there's been a lot of healing for me in those wounds. But when I think back to even the end of 2019, which I had um, gotten out of my relationship, um, we had lost our baby boy and my friend Leah and the back of my two, two of my closest friends. Um, I was trying to figure out how to move out of this apartment and and literally all, you know, just, so broke so beyond broke in my life and my friend just called me she goes Shannon we got a storage unit for you um we're gonna kind of help you do this let's let's go do this now and so we went all my belongings in a storage unit I had packed a bag I was getting ready to go on tour for two months and I, I had no idea where I was gonna live and when I say broke I mean I just mean so broke and I I say that because I know how hard that is when when you're waking up in the morning and you're literally like, how am I going to keep my count from going negative today? Like, and I need to eat food, but I don't want to. And it's really hard. It's very hard for me to ask for help. And it's those moments in life where you have to lay your pride down and you just have to ask for help. Um, So that's one of the things that I think has gotten me through the most in my life is asking for help which is really hard to do, and that you have those friends in your life, and we all have them, and you might have just one, but you have that one friend that you can ask for help. And I am a, I am a Christian woman. I grew up with a very strong faith, and I will say praying has been my been my anchor. Yeah. And when I say pray, I don't mean, you know, on my knees in that perfect picture. I mean, you know, crying on the floor and truly just asking God, like, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And even in my darkest times of grief, which I think is why I love Ellie Wiesel's book night so much uh-huh. is um and i'm I will say this very honestly right now i I'm not in a place where I've sorted out my faith yeah i'm i'm I long to and I long to get the answers I seek but I'm very much still in the midst of asking a lot of questions and trying to understand um but those darkest of moments are when I've felt very much like I don't I don't know who God is and, and just really seeking and trying to find the purpose of life. And I think when you go through a lot of death, those questions come up oh, yeah, and you just absolutely. are, you're faced with it. And it's a vast, it's, it's a, you know, it's, you know, it's a pit of darkness and you're just, you're staring at it and you're like, how, how am I really, you're telling me there's a light at the end of this tunnel because I'm not making sense yeah. of it. And so it's books like night with Ellie Biesel that, um, I don't know, just kind of got me through, each day, and it's like, man, if Ellie Wiesel can struggle with his faith and get up every morning, I can too. So I would say it's asking for help, and I would say it's reading and listening to stories of other people, which is something that you guys are providing here, um, and and the gratitude journal. Man, the gratitude journal is. I'm t- I'm telling you, there are mornings, you know, you're broke, you don't know where you're gonna live, you're not sure what's gonna happen in the next two hours. And the darkness is all around and your heart is aching and you just, you don't even like breathing seems hard, open up, get a piece of paper and a pen and just write down 10 things you're thankful for. And I'm, I mean, that is, that's kind of now, now, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing that for, I should have been doing that my whole life, but really like as a practice, I've been doing that for probably six years habitually. And it's, it's a big, it's a big life changer.
1: Yeah. So for people who have never heard the phrase gratitude journals, she just described it perfectly. If everything in life is going wrong right now, take out a piece of paper, write down ten things. They may be very simple, but ten things that you can thank the you can thank God for, and maybe those ten things will start to take your attention off of the ten thousand things that are not going right in yeah. your right now.
0: And I have to I have to add one more thing that has helped me a lot. Sure. And I grew up with a lot of um, physical issues, and in twenty, I have, I have an autoimmune disease too. So twenty twenty, and I, I know so many people uh, also had this in twenty twenty. It was the beginning of that year, especially was just very scary. Really scary, when right? Yeah, it was really scary. And I will say that, and I know a lot of people didn't have this; um, they weren't able to go and hike in the woods because maybe they lived in a big right. city. Um, but I would say that physical activity, like has saved me more than once in those hard times. And even now still, as I've worked, there's, I, I usually, if I go to therapy, um, which I don't go as often as I used to, which I think is good. That's, That's good. That's means, success. But, Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, I do keep, I go every couple months just to maintain, because I want to keep it from, I don't want to have the call of like, I need to see you tomorrow. So I figure if I just <laughs> maintain a consistency. Yeah. All right. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. I think it's helped a lot. um, Just having that every couple of months, just a little check in to make sure we're doing okay. But um, even after therapy, I would, I would set up, I'm going to go on a six mile hike after that because the physical motion, whether it's a walk or just being outside and I'm a huge, I'm a huge nature hippie chick, but just being out in nature and away from my phone and away from my computer and any technology is, has been a very powerful tool.
1: That sounds really good to me right now.
0: Yeah. Hey,
1: your last album just came out, um, Building, and you're you 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 turned this not just into an album, but into a, a you know a, an attempt to do something good for people that were really struggling, um, that mm-hmm. are still struggling, but really struggling in your community. So, you um you you helped get the building project off of the ground. Describe the building project for people that don't live in Nashville and are not really sure what this is all about.
0: Yes. Um, so the building project, so we released I had recorded a session um 2019 or maybe it was early 2020. I'm trying to remember when, but I'm really bad with timestamps. But I know I remember March 2020, that I'll never forget. Um, but when the pandemic happened and everything shut down. We were and we were getting ready to record many other sessions and get a full, mm-hmm. you know, twelve, thirteen track record together. But um in the midst of everything, and again, I'm I'm one of those people that um I I work through my <laughs> it's like, okay, I need to I need a job, like I need to do something. I can't just sit at home, you know, it drives me crazy. Not good for
1: your mental health I, to sit at home.
0: Yeah, which, you know, and I know I'm not alone in that. I know so many people struggle with that I'm a right lot there in twenty twenty. But uh, for us, it was like, okay, we can't go to the studio. We can't record. We can't do these things. What can we do? And so my publisher and Tia Sillers, who co-wrote a lot of the songs mm-hmm. on this record with me, we just decided, you know what? Let's put this record out. It's not it's not fully finished the way we would have liked to. Um, but, you know, it's seven songs. And it would give us something to do. And we really believe in the message of a lot of these songs. Um and yeah, and so we just decided, so in 2020, we put the record out and again, just not being able to work or tour or do the things we normally could. I waited tables for so many years of my life and the restaurant community in Nashville, I have a lot of gratitude for sure. them. They have helped me in many hard More hard times. than a
1: few starving artists has waited tables oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and worked in the kitchen of a restaurant in Nashville.
0: Oh, yes. And and so many of the restaurants, as we know, have struggled and, and really hurt as a result of 2020. And so in the middle of the year, my friend Sarah, who was also in a band tour, got cut. But she's a great director. She actually directed the music video uh-huh. for Rainy Hallelujah. Um, she's one of my very close friends. And we just decided, what if we, what if just, because the problem with filming or doing anything is you just, you can't have a crew. Right. Yeah. Especially in the middle of 2020, you know, you can't have a lot of people and you can't endanger anyone. And so Sarah and I were in our little pod together and just decided, can we just go into the restaurants as things start to open up and just show how they're doing and how safely they're doing it and, and show the community that, you know, we can go and support these people in these multiple ways. So so that's what we call it, the building project, yeah. because we felt very much like, I mean, we're all still rebuilding from right. that. But
1: Yeah, well, the fact yeah, that... And he- You weren't just focused on you and how COVID was impacting you. The fact that you were willing to even think about what was happening to the restaurant industry around you is really impressive.
0: Well, um, yeah, again, it's that, it's just the fact that there's just so many people going through, you know, so much more than me. Um, and we, we started the first episode we did. Um, we did four episodes in four different restaurants in town, and, and then things started to really open up, which is such a blessing, and I'm so yeah. thankful for that. But the first one we did it at was at Lachlan Table, which is a, my favorite restaurant in Nashville. And they they did a cocktail called Firewalker for the first single to celebrate it. Wow. But they're they one street away also from the tornado that ripped uh-huh. through yeah. Nashville March 3rd. Right. And so it was really special to start with them and show, not only are you rebuilding from a pandemic, but you have literally, literally rebuilding the building. Yes. Like, and and like the streets around them that were just demolished. So um, anyway, if you're ever in Nashville, guys, go to Lachlan table. They're the most amazing people. The owners are incredible and they really care about their neighbors and and they put, uh, they put a lot of things. They pay a lot of things forward.
1: You just heard it. Go spend a lot of money there because it's good. It's good for the owners, but it's also good for the community. Yep. Hey, uh, Shannon, you're a pretty amazing lady that has gone through incredible circumstances, not just in the past, but in your career. Um, I hope people that are listening right now hear this lady has a lot going for her, but she's also gone through a lot to get where she is right now. Mm. If people want to, uh, obviously if they want to uh, listen to your music, they can get that pretty much anywhere music is streaming, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. You can stream it all over. And like I said, I'm, I'm- pretty active on Instagram. And so if you ever had any questions about books or, or even just want to share, um, if you feel like you wanted to tell somebody about your story, please find me. And I would love to, I would love to hear it.
1: That was the next question I was going to say for folks that are wanting to follow you, what's the best way for them to, to connect with you?
0: Yes. It's at Shannon Labrie. Um, and Instagram's great. I'm also on Facebook and, um, but yeah, just shoot me a message. And, and I do, I I actually have, I have so many T-shirts. From not,
1: <laughs> some leftover, a warehouse of T-shirts leftover. Yeah, over.
0: Um, which will which still feel very new to me. But I have a uh, Firewalker T-shirts and building T-shirts, and I have um, CDs, and I have a uh, Firewalker mask, and I have a lot of stuff. So if, if any of that, if you'd like some of that, yeah. just just hit me up. Um, I love I love just talking to people, and I miss so much being on tour. Um, I am an extra. I love being around people, and I've just missed so much the, the community of being on the road and, and just meeting fans and lovers of music and fellow survivors and yeah. optimists and people who are fighting their way through. And so since we don't have that right now with the big tour, just message me. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah. We'll put uh, a link to your website and some of your social media channels on the notes to this page, but uh, any plans to get back on, on the road anytime soon?
0: Yeah, we're we're looking um, next year, twenty twenty two. We've got some things we're looking at that I'm I'm excited about. But um, we've just this year, my publisher manager just said, this is the time to just dig in and uh-huh. write and record. We have a studio. Let's just create. So I've been in a really intense creative space this last year, which I'm thankful sure. for and hopefully next year I'll get to go yeah. sing all the songs.
1: So for all of your fans out there stay uh in touch with her on social media or keep uh, uh checking up on her website to find out where you can catch her on tour. Yes. Yeah. Shannon, it's uh awesome to talk to you. Been looking forward to this episode. Thanks for just being really honest with us um and for giving people some thoughts about how to bounce back when life hits hard.
0: Man, and I just want to thank you for Giving us space to be really honest. And I, we were talking earlier about this, but I was telling him how there's some, some grief and some hardships make people really uncomfortable. And that, and that's okay. But I just want to thank you for, for being very comfortable and being a safe place for me to, to talk about of some of those more painful things. Yeah. So thank you for that. Of course.
1: Hey, you have just heard Shannon talk about some of her greatest struggles, some of her best triumphs. And I hope today while she was talking, you got some ideas on how to handle your challenges, how you could rise above your difficulties, how you could rain hallelujah out of the tragic moments of your life. Maybe you stumbled across this podcast for the first time. If so, I'd love for you to follow us on social media. You know, we're pretty much everywhere. All you have to do is just search for unbeatable podcast. And by the way, did you know, that I'm recruiting right now for people to join the Unbeatable Army. It's an email list where I'll deliver straight to your inbox ideas and suggestions on how you can handle your greatest challenges this week. If you wanna become part of the email list, just go to unbeatablearmy.com. Until I get with you next time, I just want to leave you with one of Shannon's final thoughts. Don't let your circumstances overwhelm you. Reach out. Let somebody know that you're struggling, even if that means going to see somebody for professional help. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. God bless.